And so it begins. The whole of his mind is apparently his personality. Wait, 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 wait. A rabbi and a boxer arrive on a space station. Broke off. Guys, I have a stalker. He's totally hitting on Kosh now. Totally sexual harassment. Basically, the Mount Mario drama queen. He's gonna come out of his butt. I can't believe this martial law crack where I have been, damn it. Hey, <laughs> Jeffrey Sinclair. My Whedon senses should have been tingling. And we know that IKEA survived. This torture session may be recorded for quality assurance. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a dead dragon. Jack the Ripper knew it was there. Go on. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Beth. And I'm Andy. Hey, Andy. Welcome hello. back. Thank you for having me. Uh, good to have you back. Thanks for jumping in this episode, taking up one of the empty spots. It's a comfy chair. <laughs> it's a- <laughs> Yeah, nice yeah, chair. we got rid of all that um, bloody telepath mess. Thank goodness. Nice. <laughs> Faces looking a lot tidier. Yeah, we can provide our good comfy chair. All right, so today we are here to discuss episode 14 of season 5, Meditations on the Abyss. But first, an ISN special report. Welcome to ISN's Etc. Corner, where we bring you the stories that just don't fit anywhere else. Anybody want some cut fruit? Because that's exactly what an unsuspecting drowsy merchant got from a dissatisfied customer the other day. The customer, Viracato, who, as you may remember from our gossip report, just might be the next Centauri ambassador, took a sword to the merchant's fruit booth after an altercation, making quite a mess of the Zocalo. Security were called to the scene. Nobody was hurt, although many fruit cannot say the same. <laughs> Next up, an in-depth look at the unusual and some would say dangerous training methods of the Anla Shock. In 1939, Timely Comics published its first issues. It later changed its name, first to Alice Comics and then to Marvel Comics. In 2014, Marvel polled its fans asking for the 75 greatest Marvel stories from those 75 years and published that list in print form. The unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels countdown will walk through all 75 of these stories every Wednesday from December 31st, 2014 to June 1st, 2016. Join me, Blaine Dowler, and a cadre of other hosts, including established podcasting greats and emerging talents, as we run through the list, discuss each story in the context of its original release, and determine just what makes it so great. The unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels countdown can be found at Bureau42.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. Meditations on the Abyss originally aired May 27, 1998. I think this was six weeks after the last episode. It was directed by Mike Vahar and written by JMS. The title was definitely written JMS. Definitely. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, there's not really any more episodes are on the... He's the head titler on Babylon 5. Yeah. Who do you think died on Walking Dead? I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, 
Sorry. Is that tonight? Yeah. Uh, Someone tagged me in a comment like, who do you think won? Like, I don't care who, who lost or <laughs> who died. It's one of those shows that I'm not watching because I didn't start watching it when it started and so it's now, right? Put it to one side, I'll eventually watch it, but at the moment I don't care. So yeah. It's just a really bad cliffhanger. Like, I don't really care how it's resolved. I just want to get on with the show. I'm much too busy catching up on uh, Black Mirror. Oh, yes. I, I'm, I'm getting ready to start season three. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know if with that one vibe, but I tried watching Black Mirror starting from the beginning, and it came off as vaguely sexist. Is that anybody else notice that? I've only really seen um, things from the first series and the different stories, so I'm not sure exactly. I actually haven't even heard of it. What is it? It's a sort of Tales of this unexpected Twilight Zone type format show with a sort of focus on new technology, social media, uh, and that stuff. Um, Now, the first episode of the new season is co-written by... Rashida Jones, and oh. a central, well, all the lead characters are female, so um, I'm, I'm not quite enjoyable. Uh, it's been a while no, since I've seen the first season, I don't remember. Mm. Um, There's the one about the pig guy, the prime minister guy. Yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, I, although it's not technically part of it, I always kind of imagined the... Um, Big Brother zombie um, thing as a pilot for it. Oh, yeah, Dead Set. Yeah, Dead Set. Because yeah. it's more or less the same tone, isn't it? Similarly. Yeah, Dead Set was just really brilliant um, miniseries, I suppose. It's on US Netflix now, so watch it if yeah, you Yeah, maybe have I'll it. check in with the third. Yeah, you don't have to watch the, the first, first two, season. yeah. yeah. Uh, more exciting than this episode of Babylon 5, probably. <laughs> um, sorry. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Most things, you know. <laughs> I, I did fall asleep at the beginning. I um, <laughs> had to rewind the scene with Len and Lanier several times. I kept on dozing off. Uh, I fell asleep about Nathan and had to finish watching today. <laughs> I think I know what that is, Ian. The first scene opens with um, Sheridan and Delenn in her bedroom and they've got those deep blue satin, satin bed sheets and I was thinking I must get a set because they just look so mellow. Well, we um, know they're not friction the seats because otherwise they just go sliding everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do Minbari, I guess they don't, yeah, they don't use sheets, do they? <laughs> no, no. How do they stay just... warm? It's their own uh, smug self. <laughs> 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 well, for thousands of years, they've never needed sheets. Why should they have human sheets now? Oh, good point. Oh. Yeah, so Delenn... Well, she's, she's uh, half human. Uh, she's human sheets now. Cohabitation. She's it's half a sheet. scented candles and draperies for clothes rather than just throwing them a heap on the floor. Well, you know, one thing I don't know if you noticed that the lens alarm clock is a triangle. Ah, yeah, but that's really a alarm Membari alarm clock. That was like a beacon, like a linear is around. It's her linear beacon. It only responds to linear. <laughs> Do you wake up with bed hair? Why not activate the triluminary triangle alarm clock? <laughs> stuff out. Yeah, yeah, anti-static. Yeah. So yeah, she like lies about where she's going. 
tells him that she has to get some pay some papers for her quarters. Not cool. Though. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very lame excuse. Uh, from is you're lying to your husband and you're using the fact that the Lanier, you know, is in love with you, you know, to your own advantage. You're you're manipulating both of them. And she constantly acts like she doesn't know it. It's like, really? In a way, she acts like she does, which she does. But then in another way, she'll say things where he basically has to spell it out and again and again. <laughs> right. And then she be, she'll, she, she knows it, but then she strokes it. You know, it's like. Yeah. 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 Come on. So did you like it's, seeing it's like her. Like a little bit of heroin for <laughs> Did you like seeing her uh, little outfit, her disguise again? We haven't seen it in a while. Her down below <laughs> <Yeah>. disguise. <laughs> Some creep tries to bite her. This guy got this. Uh, what did he say? Like, just accept the fact that I'm the one you're going to be waking up with tomorrow. Like, uh, he was, yeah. yeah. It really bothered nice me that we left him. Yeah. But she breaks that guy's fingers and then Lanier comes in and fights him off. With his pinky boo. Yeah. She must have broken his finger right away from the come off his chair. Like. <laughs> Should have broken something. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna say that she reported that guy to security off camera. Yeah. <laughs> Not to Garibaldi, I hope. <laughs> to no, Zach. no. Zach, yeah, Garibaldi's not in some Yeah. And he's still in that bottle, <laughs> in a different <laughs> bottle now. Um, yeah, so she wants Lanier to patrol the Minbari border to, um, no, not the Minbari border, the Centauri border, and they're keeping this from Sheridan. He's been training too hard, and she wants him to slow down, but he says, you know, if I hadn't been training hard, you wouldn't be calling me here now. And he tells her about how he saw Morden on the Day of the Dead, and he said that Lanier would betray the Rangers. Okay, so this scene, <laughs> this is the one where y'all fell asleep. Yeah, I okay. fell asleep. No, I didn't fall asleep. Okay, um, no, not this one. That was so-, so, so did he, so what was this episode about? Was it about his training, or was it about him go, who wasn't? Well, the rest of the episode's about his training, and he doesn't do much of monitoring the Centauri at all in the rest of it. Okay, maybe that's coming later. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, I, I think Lanier's, he's looking very much like Mark Hamill in Late Empire, Early Jedi. Um, but a lot of this episode feels like a Babylon 5 spin-off, Captain Montoya and... Maria and will come on to a lot, but it's quite, um, yeah, it's a bit like a different, different show. It's gonna be called Maria. <laughs> um, without giving away anything about Legend of the Rangers, I think this is what they thought Legends of the Rangers would be like. Okay, that, could live with that. All this stuff about what, um, Captain trying to like throw surprises at them, I, I don't know. <laughs> Did anyone else, uh, make Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Enrique Montoya. Prepare to die. Oh, is there a character in I want to live here? Oh yeah, it's the character in the Princess Bride, Inigo was Inigo Montoya. Inigo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Killed my wife. Prepare to die. Mm. Something like that. Except his father, but Oh father, sorry. <laughs> 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 it's been a while. Um 
He's probably heard that all his life. This <laughs> probably there's his old ancient <laughs> Earth I'm sure movie. The Princess Bride is so popular too. Whatever. I bet. Yeah. It has to. Be. <laughs> it's timeless. It's been remastered so many times by then. Oh no, remake! No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no beer no, show. But they they have remade the original Star Wars prequel by then. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> made them, yeah, made them watchable. Um, yeah, the yeah, show. That's the interesting thing, you know. If they do it, did end up re- remaking them, um, they could actually cast real aliens. <laughs> <laughs> we need a oh, blue hey, guy. That's a, that's a good plan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, let's <laughs> let's do that. Captain Montoya here has been in. Pretty much everything on television since the 1970s. Um, I've taken in Murder, She Wrote, and the whole sort of uh, A-Team Airwolf, Blue Thunder, um, pretty much everything. It's been on prime time TV. Yeah, okay. I meant to look up Findel, because somehow his voice sounded familiar to me, but his face did maybe just sounds like somebody... Ah, ah. Um, his voice isn't... Um, he's played by Martin East, um, who was most famous for playing Lookout Lee in Titanic. And he, he stood beside Scott Anderson when he shouted, Iceberg, dead ahead. Um, he's been in a lot of English stuff, the Bell East Enders, Morse, but he pretty much left acting in 2000, um, to focus on his music career. Okay. Not a long pedigree. I wonder if I've heard acting. anything. That's still, He's, you can definitely tell he's a British actor of a certain age if he's been in the bill. I bet he's been in Casualty and um, London's Burning too. So Veer shows up in Londo's quarters with a bunch of boxes and bags. They're doing some shopping for new stuff. There's a fast food joke in there somewhere. Yeah. About how it's bad. It tastes good going down or something like that. I would really love to have a... <laughs> Cheeseburger right now. Well, apparently, a uh, locking. apparently <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the Centauri somehow don't have the metabolism. Apparently, their bodies just puke it back up. Grease and salt. Uh, that would be so good right now. <laughs> um, I'm trying to eat healthy again. Um, so Londo f- checks for bugs and he finds one. One of the bags that came from a Drazi merchant. They have a little fun once they discover the bug. Talking about and this. it's such a, an in-character response around them. And S- Stephen first expressions when he's he's talking, he's setting up this fake narrative are, are just priceless. He's Londo, are you really doing this all over his face? It's mm. beautiful. Then he joins in on it, yeah. But um, I don't think actually off the top of my head we've seen Londo's quarters from this point of view before. Where we're behind the... um. The counter. We're usually on the other side of the counter, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I noticed it was something, seemed something different, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Lando says it's all politics, and then he tells Veer that Veer is going to be the next ambassador to Babylon 5. Yay! Veer looks proud. We do. Each one step closer to being emperor. I guess that's the career path. You have to be ambassador to Babylon 5 and then the emperor. Well, yeah. <laughs> Prime Minister, then Emperor. <laughs> mm. So why doesn't Veer become Prime Minister, eh? <laughs> well, we don't know, because we don't see that t- um, those years. Yeah, uh, I meant from uh, Londo's perspective. 
Um, why, why doesn't he appoint him as, as prime minister and that? Um, I, I think it's because he just sees something in the way Veer interacts with other cultures. Um, more than that, he wants to keep Veer out of real power. He, he just thinks that Veer functions particularly well with alien races, and that's a, an asset to him. Especially because most Centauri are just selfish. Parochial. <laughs> yes, both. Uh, so Lanier reports for duty on White Star 25, a.k.a. Maria, a.k.a. under Captain Enrique Mantoya. Sorry, Luis Findel. And back on Babylon 5, Jakar is happy that his new eye is coming in. And Drazi Ambassador is trying to find out what the advisory council knows about the attacks. Seems to already oh, know that the Drazi. Centauri are under suspect. And Londo wants to know why he's been left out of the meeting. He comes in. And uh, he's not really that disappointed. It's kind of more... He wanted to... He knew the Drazi was there, so he was kind of just working him up a bit more, I think. Yeah, that's about his wife. <laughs> I have a note here about um, about how the Drazi ambassador is, is talking to the council. And he's, he's really pushy and rude. and In a way, it almost echoes Sheridan when he's trying to uncover... The origins of Morden. He he knows that there's something else going on. That they're perhaps covering it up. Um, now, admittedly, they're not in possession of the the full source of the story. They just have their suspicions. But um, they, they, I think, they do know more than they're they're telling him. Is that so? Well, they they got their suspicions, but they can't confirm any of their suspicions because it just goes more trouble than it's worth. And I also see a lot of um, Jakar season one in Strazi Ambassador. Oh yes, nice. Just out to cause trouble and uh, yeah. people. I've got a note that it feels a bit like a callback to Midnight in the Firing Line, which for me is sort of uh, where the political tension in Babylon 5 is just set up brilliantly. It's something the show is so great at. Can we have it again here? Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, so Lanier and Findel talk about human, how humans do things versus the way Minbari do things. They, Minbari have been doing things the same way for thousands of years. Yes, but then, um, then Delane came along, broke the Great Council, remade the Great Council, and kind of, you're starting to do things different, so kind of accept that. Yeah. Dr. Franklin puts in Jakar's new eye. He's been reading the book of Jakar and likes it and kind of wants to come to talk, listen to one of Jakar's weekly talks. We find out there's a coffee stain in every copy of the book of Jakar from Garibaldi. Is Franklin going to join the new cult, the cult of Jakar? <laughs> I don't think so. He's a foundationalist. He'll just steal all of Jakar's hard work and make it part of the foundationalist religion. Because that's, that's essentially what the foundationalists do. They... They steal indigenous cultures, relief systems, and masquerade it as their own. I'm sure you have talked about foundationalism before in, in Walkabout, uh, but uh, did you do you think it's a stand-in for JMS's own um, like atheism he identifies with? I can't I help feeling that it is. The whole, uh, what's it? If he was going to be that, it would be atheism. <laughs> you know, it would be something more you know, kids be say, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in a God. You know, you 
you would have someone saying that and uh, uh, being their far more prevalent that rather than um, what you've got here or someone proclaiming the fact they've got a really, you know, religious belief which they prescribe to. Oh, I, I don't think that's necessarily. I I don't think that he doesn't. He would only, you know, use an atheist on the show as his surrogate, for example, or to get ideas across. Um, especially considering people don't listen to eight. <laughs> uh, Why they don't? <laughs> no, not not they're not already. Um, nobody really. It's kind of a known problem. Yeah. Um, what struck me, I mean, JMS said. I think he had been out as an atheist at this time, and then we have religion comes up again and again as a theme in Babylon 5 that he, he takes rather seriously, and I think, um, I think foundationalism might represent his journey as an atheist, reenact, re, uh, going, uh, talking with religion again, and, um, working through some things, or at least sort of utilizing it as part of his, um, identity as a writer. Uh, uh, okay, uh, we can't yeah. be sure though, but, uh, one thing he does like to do though, he, he, he likes to, you know, point out that, you know, religion and religious belief and personal, personal faith are all still around to, in 200 years time. They're not going to go away anytime soon. And that includes all spectrum of that, you know, whether you, you're an atheist or whether you've got a, Profound belief, right? Or whether you're, or whether you're Mimbari or Zentari uh, or whatever. Yeah. You know, be a natural part of being con- conscious, I guess. Or yeah, that's, I mean, what he's um, the the sort of the coffee stain in the book. Um, Jakar seems quite taken with that. It's sort of uh, blown this hole in his the treatment of him as a new Jaquan. It's sort of an inverted joke of the do not thump the book of Jaquan. It's Garibaldi's um, best part of the book counts <laughs> as an honor, doesn't he? Yeah, I just found it humorous. So, Lanier and Findel launch, and once they get out in space, they realize they don't have a whole lot of air left, and then the White Star just leaves from there. <laughs> Do you have any yeah, I was hints? Very confused at this point. Okay, what was going on? So, Lanier wants to enter a meditative state to conserve air, but Findel is freaking out. Ranger school, Findel Ranger on the Chamber of No Breath. <laughs> it's a really, really mean um, training exercise. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, I would be pissed, but still, if I want to be a ranger, like, what am I going to say? I mean, so, I mean, I'm guessing they weren't monitoring their actual level of oxygen, so they just left in there with one hour and came back in two hours. Pretty effed up. So, yeah, Jakar is talking to his group. Talking about the truth of God, which is the mouth of the river. <laughs> oh, he, what he, I know, yeah, what he, he just yeah. kind of gives uh, in and says lost, it's the mouth yeah. of the river. Oh. But yeah, they so, want it. Yeah, so. I mean, oh, lost uh, Elizabeth uh, there. Sorry. Oh, uh, we've lost Elizabeth there. Uh, he's trying to make a point, I guess, but they were wanting, I, I didn't hear the entire speech. I kind of. Oh, no, he starts with him basically, the end one question basically saying, You've got to be able to laugh at you yourself. You've got to be able to be, you know, not be pompous all the time and just enjoy life. Yeah, and that's that a kind recurring of, thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. And then he goes on to the whole light on the wall idea, which plays back to what Delenn said at one point. 
no, Lanier said it's uh, uh, actually, but still, another Membari thing, which I think actually might actually come from JMS in his personal view, in terms of thing of JMS not necessarily believing in a god, but believing that, uh, you know, the you know pursuit of at least asking these questions is the worthwhile thing, not the answers themselves. Yeah. You know, no matter what conclusion you come to, as long as you're asking the question. I find it interesting how, and I'm sure you've noticed this yourselves in Jakar's talk on light and God, that Franklin is really overexposed in the light. Um, he's talking about the result of the search, and there's stripes of darkness across him, but it's almost as if he's been blue-screened, and it definitely feels like it's harking back to his time on the walkabout and what he learned since that. But it also kind of retroactively plays into the fact of, yes, this guy's dead now, and the actor's dead now, and this is ear- a little eerie hearing, um, you know, Jakarta kind of... Both of them are dead, actually, so you're kind of getting this otherworldly message, but it's not, but because they're both dead, you kind of got that whole playing on them, playing at the same time. Hmm. Oops, so sorry. he goes on and on about it, and then, uh, I mean, it's, it seems like Jakar's talk is really pulled out a bit, and then somebody sticks their hand up and says, so what is truth? What is God? And they don't, well, they don't they have an enlightenment. The yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't get it until they get the answer from Jakar that they want, which kind of defeats the purpose of going to him. I mean, yeah. is the point of this scene saying, okay, all those religious revelations you've heard about the people saying our religious leader said this this and this is this meant to be saying oh well we wanted to hear this so this is what i'm saying they said whereas they may have been saying something similar but very significantly different Mm, that's not this was an interesting scene um because i can well when it works sort of with the universe of Babylon 5 because we know that the Vorlons had something to do with the interpretation of the different worlds as, re- as regarding higher powers. But at the same time, it's not acknowledged within the episode. Um, mm. it, it's more framing it as we see what, what we look for, which is yeah. in a microcosm what people are doing there, kind of underscoring what he's saying um, in, a, in, a, in a way, but at the same time, I don't think understood what he was saying. Like, they just wanted uh, platitudes? Uh, yeah. Or, oh, yes, um, definitely. Well, at least one person. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. it's a really high theoretical concept to think about. <laughs> so, what they're looking people want to be comforted, people want to be, you know, they don't want to challenge the least a lot of the time. So, yeah. I think that's kind of part of it. Yeah, I think you're right, Elizabeth. They kind of want something that will fit on a key ring in the Zocalo. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like in this universe, every time with religion comes up, it should be like, well, you know that was the Borlands, right? Right, it's just not... <laughs> well, even this, even Jakar's revelation is because of a Vorlock. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But See, Jakar's they, probably they still, kind of... They influence this whole thing, his whole book of Jakar and yeah. everything. Although, I, uh, I would argue that Jakar's probably found out about that is, and is probably okay with it because, yeah, okay, you gave me this revelation, but it doesn't make it any less valid. True, and yeah. if the Vorlons can do all what they've done, they're pretty much invisible gods anyway. Right. So, yeah, I mean, what is a god really? Interesting, but it, it's funny that they just don't bring it up. Who all knows about it anyway? What the- well, I would say Lita. 
um, it would be Lisa, it would be John and Sheridan, and then anyone who was in the fleet when John and Sheridan were confronting the shadows <laughs> and the... Um, John and Sheridan? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sheridan and Delenn. Okay. Basically, because if you remember, that um, Lorianne was broadcasting what was happening at that final confrontation to everyone in the fleet. Yeah, I can't remember. That's the problem. Yeah, so uh, several thousand people were there when the revelation was made, but it depends on who... YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know how... I was just trying to say, you know, things like these get... things get distorted and people say, no, I don't believe that, so... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Want to believe things that don't support their views, so, yeah. Yeah, so... I would I say a good couple of hundred people probably saw it and believe it, and the rest of them saw it and don't believe it, or Correct. saw it and yeah. don't do interpret in a different way. It's probably reasonable that uh, a recording of this was made made its way around um, the Babylon 5 version of the internet, and I forget the name of that. Um, yeah. I wonder what it have made past the ISN blackouts on Earth. Um, probably not, no, because Clark was controlling everything there. There's a spider crawling across my screen right now. <laughs> Kill it! <laughs> Get it the does not like this warlock dog. Yeah. No, no. Just, yes. just send it beyond the rim where no one. The <laughs> toilet rim. Start. Go away. That's the rim they're really talking about, isn't it? The toilet rim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just yeah. go hang out yeah. there. <laughs> Findel is still freaking out and he just takes off in a different direction when White Star 27 comes back and tells him to report for a debriefing. This was all a test. Of course it was a test. Yeah. But then, then again, I suppose, you know, we're thinking from a human point of view that yes, of course this is a test. What, you've left your... You, you've left the main ship and before you departed in this flyer, you were sure you had enough air and all of a sudden you don't? This is a test. Yeah, that happened to me, I'd be sure it was a test. I'm just going to sit here till they come back. <laughs> Watch some Netflix till they get back. <laughs> I think they kind of get away from it, or with it, because it's, um, it is a believable. I mean, Montoya is a well-rounded character. It, it just feels like there's a bit of strength in this setup. Well, like these I aren't stand-in characters. Montoya. Uh, it's just, just what's his name? The other man, Bari, was a bit, two-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. In Bari templates. Yeah. So, yeah, I believe what Montoya was doing. I believe everything that was coming from Lanier's point of view. But with the other man, Bari, there, the reason to do everything kind of lost kind of its purpose. Because, mm. of course, he's going to freak out. Of course, he's going to then kind of feel like he's dishonoured himself and trying to commit suicide. But even with that, we get parallels between um, Findale and Marcus um, and Lanier himself, which I think are working in our character's favour. Mm. Well, it's because we know, we know at this point that Lanier's joined the uh, Rangers for the wrong reason. And he's just not impress. admitted it. <laughs> By trying to impress the men isn't the right reason. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, this actor uh, that Fendel Fendel Fendel. Uh, no, 
It seemed familiar to me too, but I couldn't. <laughs> Doesn't oh, look okay. like he's been in anything. I gotta say, he's a two-dimensional when Barry cut out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Martin East. Now he hasn't really been in an awful lot of the ten or twelve mostly English TV appearances. Um, but still, tight iceberg dead ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, that just reminded me of something. Anyway, uh, so Veer is gonna confront the Drazi who sold him that listening device or the bag with the listening device in it. And Drazi guy says, "You're weak. Go away before I swat you." So. <laughs> Lanier goes up to Londo's quarters, goes to borrow a sword, and goes back and borrow starts... Borrow the bug sword. Yeah. The sword that Londo used to kill the bug. Gonna swat oh. the Drazi. <laughs> so he just starts destroying stuff, and Londo's proud. So yeah, he's ready to be Centauri Ambassador now. God, this sounds it was about a right test. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy can you be? <laughs> Veer with sword, Veer with sword, Veer with sword. He's a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> He's a Centauri ambassador. And one of the greatest Babylon 5 scenes ever. I don't usually rewatch a scene right after I've already seen it, but I played this again about two or three times. Yeah. Sure go. Who's the... Who's weak now? <laughs> <laughs> so Captain Montoya addresses the trainees and... Uh, they get sent out on a mission, and Vindel has this plan to collide himself with an asteroid, but Veneer stops him and lies about what happened so Vindel can save face. But, turns out Captain Montoya heard everything on the private channel, so he gives Veneer a failing grade, and Vindel a neutral grade is gonna reassign Vindel to the recruitment office. So does Vindel know that Captain knows or... Well, kind of, given yeah. what the captain said, it's kind of, okay, yeah. you know you join the Rangers for the wrong reasons, make sure no one else does it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, you join for the wrong reasons, you can probably tell the people who do, will join for the wrong reasons. It's like when they hire, you know, hackers to, <laughs> the government yeah. hires hackers to, <laughs> um, yeah, so off the record, Captain tells, um, Lanier, he knows, and don't assume we can't listen in on private channels. That was it for Lanier, right? No patrolling the Centauri border. Oh, is that what that was? No, that's what he, that's what Dylan wanted him to do, but this is, I guess I this know, is all true. I know, but everything saying that he shouldn't do that, or? Oh, uh, no, no. Oh. Was, was what Dylan was asking, was that extra? I'm wondering if that's going to happen later, and maybe I just don't remember it. I'm just saying that it didn't happen in this episode, even though it seemed oh, no. like such a big deal was being made about it, Dylan going through all the secrecy. And... Yeah, that's I true. Was, there's something else in my notes here. Um, a guy who played Captain Montoya, um, I've seen he's been in everything. Richard Iniguez, Iniguez, um was also in Scarecrow Mrs. King. Yeah, so, Bruce like Box Lightning. I think that show was watched in my house. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I remember quite enjoying it, but I had pretty strange tastes. <laughs> you remember Jake and the Fat Man? <laughs> That's a show I do remember. Um, it's a random, sorry. Um, so, Delin, Sheridan, Franklin, and Zach are eating, and Zach is telling the story about beer, and they just kind of rehash a lot of information, how they don't think the worlds are going to wait, but if they don't wait, their life is going to have to take action against them, so they just need to get proof, find out what's really going on with the Centauri. And they wonder where Mr. Garibaldi is. 
He's on the floor drinking. <laughs> and he calls fresh air and orders some pizza. Which made me hungry. Yeah. I still like threw in an order to uh, a reference to fresh air, but... That's also... the takeaway from that scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I, 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 for some reason, I rem vaguely remember another line in that. The kind of old thing in your fresh air sake. But, sir, we don't deliver. And, you know, him going on about being, you know... In charge of covert affairs, so yeah. you're gonna do it for him. Oh, did he say that? I didn't even know. No, he did. He... Well, he just volunteers that information. Anyway. He does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm, pizza. He he wanted sausage and pepperoni, right? It was two of my my two favorite. <laughs> or two um, of my favorite topics. I, they've now mentioned food twice in the last few episodes. Oh, spoof for brains. And they yeah. had not even mentioned it in like four seasons, and all of a sudden. It's been mentioned twice. I bet yeah, TNT we... told them to mention Spoo more. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine I noticed Garibaldi doesn't, but I imagine you probably have Spoo on a pizza. Oh. Hmm. Gross. Be like, um, that big cheese, maybe? That sounds interesting. I <laughs> want to try that. Can somebody invent Spoo so I can put it on pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it might not be the best source of advice for this, Will. <laughs> I wonder whether... Hello? Are you consider it again? No, no, I... Whipping up a fresh batch. <laughs> I was just Googling something to see if there was a how to make spoo recipe. I think there is some... I know there's a Babylon 5 cookbook in oh. existence. Or uh, I just the link the here started fixing cruise cuisine, the spoo elevating movement. Um, there's a recipe for spoo. <laughs> okay. It's all um, makes... it, um, it's technically potato, egg, and flour with a bit of garlic. Oh, garlic, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, somebody makes... should make up a batch, and there's probably been some photos taken already, but, um, yeah. Spoon review. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wine do you have? With... Lots of it, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's like why the Centauri drinks so much. <laughs> Alright, that's the end of the episode. Had another Bill, Bill Blair appearance somewhere as an alien. Uh, do they have any quotes? I was going to, but kind of, I've forgotten them. And I think we kind of went through some of the more quote-worthy Jocasta. Um, oh, probably, probably spoofer brains or <laughs> something from, from that scene. Um, oh, there was, there was another line that I particularly liked, um... There's Jakar's um, long speech, which I don't feel like... <laughs> well, there was <clears throat> the fast food thing, where Londa what? says, Beer, we're not biological fast food. Beer says, I know, I know, but it tastes so great going down. Coming up again, it's not so terrific, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, who is our human of the week? Uh, I'm gonna go with Montoya. I'm gonna go with Montoya. I, I quite like him. Right. Okay, I'm yeah, that sounds right. good. Yeah, yeah. I don't like some of his training methods, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm protesting some of his training methods. Probably just right. Who's our alien of the week? Well, you guys are gonna to need to help me out here because I've got a list of bests and everything says Veer on Sword. Oh. Yeah, yeah I think Veer. Yeah. Yeah. Despite everything else about the Veer, this episode, he, you know, was good. Uh, 
And he hasn't been around in a while. Right. Nice to see him. All right. Let's do ratings. I want to start us out, Andy. Oh, um, uh, I'm going to give this a seven veers with swords out of ten. Okay. Uh, Heidi? Um, I fell asleep. And <laughs> so fell asleep I before you could rate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I liked some things and was just really bored by others. So I could go with just slightly above average, with six out of ten, because nothing made me, like, really mad or anything. It was kind of meh. So I'll go out of ten, return. Nice. <laughs> Beth? I pretty much agree. Page is so boring. But nothing was super offensive, but boring. And the only thing I really liked was Descartes talking to his followers, Art, and Veer, obviously. So, um, left <laughs> Uh, Ian? Okay, well, uh, I, I found moments in this episode enjoyable. It's another episode again, but again, it's on a slight increase. From earlier in the season, so that's good. <laughs> so, um, 7.75 book sword. That was my rating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with everyone. It was, there are some parts that were good, but for the most part, it was kind of forgettable. Like, I probably won't even remember any of the training stuff, you know, six months from now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I like the yeah, beer scene. Yeah, I felt, I mean, I was drunk, I was painting this weekend, so that was quite exciting for me. Um, yeah. I felt that it, it felt like it could have been better than it was. It was an awful lot of so-so stuff. Like you said, um, uh, not offensive. Certainly didn't keep you awake. Yeah. Um, no. before we go on, actually, um, Whilst we were looking, I was looking at Spruce stuff, I found something JMS wrote on an explanation of Spoo. I know I've said some of this before, and I'm sure others have heard this other places before, but it really does need reading out. Uh, if you want me to go ahead, I can, or we can save it. Yeah, sure. Okay, um, Spoo. What is Spoo? Spoo is. Spoo is also oops, spelled backwards. Spoo is Ah, the plural of spoo is spoo. Small, white, pasty, mealy critters, rather worm-like, and generally regarded as the ugliest animals in the known galaxy, and by just about every sentient species capable of starfight, with the possible exception of Patramar, who would simply recommend a more rigorous program of excellence. They are all, they are also generally considered the most delicious food in all known space, regardless of the individual's biology, almost regardless of species, except for the Patmara, who like the flavour but generally won't say so, simply to be contrary. <laughs> Spoo, Spoo are raised on ranches on worlds with a damp, moist, somewhat chilly climate, so their skin can acquire just the right shade of paleness. Spoo travel in herds. If moving a total of six inches in every, any given direction in the course of a given year can actually be considered moving. Hmm. They stay in herds ostensibly for mutual protection, but the reality is, if they, is that if they weren't cropped up against one another, most of them would simply fall down. They do not howl, bark, moo, purr, yap, squeak, 
or speak. Mainly, they sigh. Herds of sighing spoo can reportedly induce unparalleled bouts of depression, which is why most spoo ranches wear earmuffs, even when it's only mildly cold, sorry, even when it's only mildly cold, damp, wet and dreary outside. If there's any life and death struggle for dominance within the spoo herd, it has not yet been detected by modern science. Spoo ranching is one of the least regarded professions known. Little or no skill is required. Once you've got a planet with the right climate, you bring in 200 sprue, plop them down in the middle of your ranch, and go right back to the nearby house. Soon you've got more. When it comes time to call the, the ones ready for the market, the softest, meanest, paleest, most forlorn-looking sprue of the pack, little physical effort is required, since they're incapable of rapid movement without falling over. Please see above. They do not resist bite or whine, they only sigh more loudly. When spoo harvest time comes, the air is full of the sound of whacking and sighing. Whacking and sighing. Even in the experienced spoo rancher can only harvest for a brief period of time due to the increased volume of sighing, which even the sound of whacking cannot altogether erase. Also, some have simply gone mad. Spoo are the only creatures of which the interstellar animal rights protection lease says simply kill them. Fresh spoo served at an option temperature of 62 degrees. Probably, that's probably Fahrenheit because I can't think, um, uh, centigrade is quite right when he wrote this. Um, is served in cubed sections so that they bear as little resemblance as possible to the animal from which they have been sliced. Spoo, so, spoo is usually served alongside a shabbat or white fennel. So it's a white wine. Okay. Uh, further information on care, feeding and eating and whacking of spoo can be found in the second edition of the Interstellar Guide to Fine Dining. The desire to make and eat spoo at home entirely depends on whether or not you want to have children later. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's JMS kind of writing his entry to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I think. <laughs> cool. It sounds like something right out of that. So do we want to get on the Maria and head to Feedback Land? Okay, then. First, we have an email from Melanie. And Melanie says... Hi down below, here are my thoughts on the episode where Veer got promoted again and Lanier was awesome. I'll cover the ranger story first. Lanier is the wrong person to lecture anyone else about joining for the wrong reasons, but when he's actually out there he knows what he's doing. Fendel's reasons for joining sounded similar to Marcus's. Both lost family during the Shadow War and joined to continue their effort. Surely there would have been something else for him to do than make sure no one else joins for that reason. I keep forgetting that the captain is going to get unofficial and say that Lanier did well, but I still can't forgive him for his reaction to after the training exercise. One of his recruits was about to slam into an asteroid, and another stopped him, and the captain responds by being angry at both of them. At least let both of them explain what happened and then decide what to do. In the other aid story, Beer looks like he hasn't figured out the advantage of buying something you need every time you go out. Adrazi tries to bug Londo's problems. Veer's face was priceless when Londo started talking about female Adrazi. 
When the fruit-selling drowsy is confronted, he makes the mistake of calling beer weak and foolish. Let's have a look at that statement. Beer was assigned to Babylon 5 because he was the family joke and nothing important was going to happen on Babylon 5. He started standing up to Londo way back in Season 1 when those kids ran away to get married. When Technomagus sent what looked like a monster after him, he didn't back down since his boss was scarier. Then he tried talking Londo out of what resulted in the Second Norn Centauri War. After that important things were happening on Babylon 5 and he was reassigned to Minbar and freed 2,000 Narns while there. Since Cartaja was emperor at this point, this would have gotten him killed if he was found out. Speaking of Cartaja, he also killed that lunatic emperor and saved the Centauri, saved Centauri Prime in the process. Yeah, I can understand that he sliced up that fruit stand when that bugging Drazi called him weak. Alien of the week, Veer of course. Human, Zack for telling the story of the Drazi who was about to vibrate through the floor. Quote, Londo is Veer grabs a sword. Something I can do for you? Veer waving the sword through the air. No, I just need to borrow this for a minute. I'll be right back. Veer as he slices up the fruit stand. Arg. Drazi, what are you doing? Veer pointing at him. Now, you want to finish our little conversation, spoof for brains? Drazi, great misunderstanding. It, it was a terrible mistake. Veer, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> Covers Drazi's facing fruit. Uh, Zack, what happened to Veer? Londo, I promoted him. Now, now he's ready to be the ambassador for the Centauri. Best Thanks. regards, Melanie the Krakovian Veer fan. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. So, Everyone you one. <laughs> buy something every time you go out. I've never thought of that. Buy something you need every time you go out so you don't have to get everything at once, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should try that. Interesting plan. <laughs> Next then I would we have, buy more than I Probably, yeah, that's probably what I would do. That guy stand by Montoya's actions in, in this. I mean, he, he doesn't get angry. He he sort of... We've got Findel, Findel here, and mm. he is on the brink of being placed in a situation where he has to confess to attempting suicide, which would bring him an awful lot of shame. It would bring um, shame on his, his family, on his friends on board... And Lanier has already put himself between um Findel and 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 that self harming and tried to sort of cover up for him. And I think Montoya actually is backing up what Lanier has done in rather than let Lanier make excuses for Findel, he just throws a conversation out completely and and goes with this sort of cover story. So, um good on him. Yeah, everybody knows. Well, those two and the captain know if it really happened. So I guess he doesn't really need to explain. <laughs> so next we have an email from Yan. Anybody want to take that? Yeah, I can take uh, it. Yeah. Uh, Yan says, Hello, down Billowers. Here's a bit of feedback for Babylon 5, Season 5, Episode 13, Meditations on the Abyss. Lanier is back. Londo is back. And Beer has done a bit of shopping. And he wants Beer to succeed him as ambassador. Surprised your ambassadors? I don't know. Seemed like the next logical step to me. How about you, Beth? Um, not, I guess not from, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I was surprised with anything in this episode. <laughs> I was kind of in a stupor. Surprised kind of, uh, implies that we had some sort of expectation to begin with. <laughs> right, exactly. I didn't really, yeah. He hasn't um, been I around. Loved, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Yukar's explanation on truth of God. I laughed every time I laugh at Lanier, past here also passes laughing. <laughs> and 
Garibaldi has fallen again. Favorites. Human. Captain Montoya. Alien. Lanier. Quotes. Londo. Fear we are not biologically equipped to handle fast Jakar. As you wish. You have given me back my sight. The least I can do in return is share a little of my confusion. Zack. What happened? Londo. I promoted him. Now. Now. The ambassador for the centaur. Rating. This is like a setup, but I quite like it. 8 out of 10 mouths. That's all for now. Be careful, for you have entered the Wheel of Fire. Yan, the Babylon Thanks, Yan. Thanks, Yan. Thanks, Yan. Thanks, Yan. So thanks for the feedback, guys. I thought I remembered receiving email from Lori and Carl, which was just ratings only, but I can't find it. I looked in trash. I looked in all the folders, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I imagined that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, predictions. The next episode is episode 15, Darkness Ascending. Darkness Okay. <laughs> that reminds me of it's the trends from Buffy of From Beneath You at Devour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll eat you starting with your bottom. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Thanks uh, on the Emperor or whatever. It's entire prime. Um, it's nighttime. It's the night of the dead. Yes, because it's not always dark in space. Um, I like the name. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good title. Um, it's a metaphor for alcoholism. (laughs) (laughs) A metaphor Uh, for evilness. Um, it must be something. Yeah, yeah, I thought more about maybe Lanier learns more about what's going on in Centauri Prime Uh with the Centauri. Um, they find out it has thing, yeah. Mia runs into the Ted Bear GS season two and locates a signal to a colony of other teddy bears on Centauri Prime or fighting some sort of freedom war. Why would you give us this glorious <laughs> 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 Oh, I was just thinking about it, uh Linear as Empire Strikes Back at the moment. So. <laughs> There's no trying. <laughs> Am I the only one with the, getting the feedback? Or? No, I'm Oh, I got it. some. Oh. Yeah, I'm getting a bit too. Uh. Oh, I thought I'd just forgotten to shave. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. Assuming that the size are not going to have anything to do with it, so I've been defeated on the side front. Yeah. Most damn size. Be done. Alright, so Andy, thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Andy. Will, yeah, Ian, Heidi, Elizabeth, thanks very much for having me on board. Yeah, good to yeah, have you. Small trip. Uh, nearing the end of Babylon 5. Should come back sometime. Have a free weekend. Or free couple hours. <laughs> well, we're going to do the movies, too. We're going to so. record all weekend, one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> this season is dragging it. Yeah. All right, that it's all gonna get good from here. Yeah, I'll see about see about that. Yeah, it'll be a nice step to come back. Isn't that what somebody said last week? Last that it was all get started, gonna be all exciting starting next week. I feel like that was told to us. <laughs> I feel like people have been saying that for a while. <laughs> it's been better. <laughs> right, I think you probably found Randy that everyone seems to remember the awfulness of um, the Byron story arc, and they kind of think. Yes. You haven't told them about the return what of Byron, comes, have you? Byron, Sorry, did you want to... <laughs> comes back from the dead. Two episodes. Oh, Sorry. like ghost sex? <laughs> oh, you know what happens when ghosts make love? <laughs> <laughs> oh, ghost <laughs> sigh. 
<laughs> this is going to be like the worst episode of Buffy, right? Uh, which one is I that? Uh, where the wild things are? Oh my god, that's that yeah. amazing. The whole ship. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I would that. <laughs> That'll be the episode where we're just drinking um, cocktails the whole time. <laughs> It'll be good by the time we're finished. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Except I don't drink, so uh, that's just not going to be any fun at all. No, listening to us, like, slurring and everything. Like, like you guys are finding it hilarious. <laughs> You're going. <laughs> that's a good as a Star Fury pilot. <laughs> all right, so that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with Darkness Ascending. Until then, goodbye. Bye, stroke off. Bye. See, see you. Bye. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. 